0: victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see the mountains move. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I find out. Against me, for Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. You see an empty tomb, so when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you, and every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. fortress you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our God and almighty shadows you win every battle nothing can stand against the power of our God an almighty fortress you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our God you shine in the shadows you win every battle nothing can stand against the power of our God so when I fight I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high The battle belongs to you. Oh God, the battle belongs to you.
1: From a men's conference at uh, Lexington, South Carolina. and the uh, theme was li- "Living as men in these last days." So I heard at the conference and it just touched me very deeply. This is especially for those of us who've lost loved ones recently. Or even the memory comes back. There are seasons in which, you know, mourning is a long can be a long process. But we don't mourn like the world mourns, but we do mourn. Some of you in the live stream You may even be living in the shadow of death. I hope this is a blessing.
0: How I long to breathe the air of heaven Where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets to look on who bled to save me. I walk with him for all eternity. There will be a day when I will bow before him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face With he who died and rose again Holy, holy is the Lord And every prayer we prayed in desperation With songs of faith We sang without him fear. And in the end, we'll see that it was worth it. He returns to wipe away our tears. There will be a day when all will bow before him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face with He who died and rose again. Holy, holy is the Lord. And on that day, we join the resurrection. And stand beside the heroes of the faith And with one voice, a thousand generations Sing, worthy is the Lamb who was slain And on that day, we'll join the Resurrection Stand beside the heroes of the faith And with a voice a thousand generations Sing, worthy is the Lamb who was slain Forever He shall reign There will be a day when all will bow before him. There will be a day when death will be no more standing face to face with he who died and rose again. Holy, holy is the Lord, so let it be today. We'll shout the hymn of heaven with angels and the saints. We raise a mighty rock. Glory to our God who gave us life beyond the grave. Holy Holy is the Lord, holy, holy is the Lord.
2: Good morning. people Good we we, we, we here. Welcome. We here. You guessed it. It's that time of the year again, <laughs> and you're going to have that same challenge you had last year and the year before that to put this to make this one-dimensional into a three-dimensional. Whoa! <laughs> <house. laughs> and if you have problems with that, you can come see me. I'll <laughs> do. But it's it's that time of the year to give it our hearts to those that uh, are less fortunate, and the gospel messages will go out. We have a little uh, hand, a handout here that gives you the choice of a, of, uh, a little girl, a little boy, and the age groups to fill this box with those items that are in there. And I want to commend you guys. It was incredible last year. I filled the cord, and we have a big trunk <laughs> with the boxes, total boxes. And I think there were 27 of them. It was let's say twenty-seven. And so I'm I'm just encouraging you all to make this happen this year again for those that are less fortunate and some who haven't heard the gospel. This is a great outreach for us. This is a mission part of our mission here at Calvary Chapel to to serve those that are underserved and to bring the message to those that need to hear. So, Father, we just ask for your blessing upon this uh, uh, endeavor that we're going to take this outreach in, in the manner. Speaking to those that could, could, can't come to church or can't come to, us to hear the message, that this would be an option for them to to see and to hear God's love being extended out throughout the throughout the world, Lord. And we pray you and thank you for what you're going to do here and what you're going to do through us, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. What date is it? It's November 13th. Three weeks. <laughs> the folders. No. <laughs> if you remember from last year, too, you can put them in those plastic containers. You know, some people decided that this is too much of a challenge for them, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll take those too And Paul, how much is it that we should donate per box? Uh, it's Ten dollars, suggested donation for oh, right. shipping and, yeah. right, and If you can okay. if you can't, that's fine too. Just, um, just to bless the kids with toys and necessities is yes. wonderful. Thank you. Give
1: mm-hmm. all, please stand. Our scripture reading is from Galatians chapter five verse 13 and 15. "For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this: You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, Beware, lest you be consumed by one another. Amen. You may be seated.
3: Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all here this morning. Welcome. Beautiful Sunday. Sun's out. Sun's always out just not we just don't always see it god created that way didn't he comes up in the morning goes down in the evening god has a perfect plan on everything around us sometimes when those storm clouds are around we don't see that plan we kind of get a little distracted with what's going on around us and don't really see that god's still sitting on the throne and i want to encourage you this morning with what goes on on the news what goes on around the world what's happening in israel God is still on the throne. We need to be praying for them, continually praying for them. But God is still on the throne. And we briefly discussed this morning, Ezekiel 38 tells you how it's all going to come down with Israel. Now, is this particular battle going to lead to Ezekiel 38 battle? I don't know. There's been skirmishes, there's been wars, rumors of wars. All of these things must take place. But what we do know is that God... Is still on the throne and he's still in control of all of these things going on around us so rather than uh, getting anxious and fearful about the things going on in the world there is an expectation of hope in the midst of it and that's what we hang on to we're hanging on to our hope Jesus Christ who oversees everything going on that sometimes we don't understand things that we don't even see with our eyes Because he's working in the spiritual and in the natural. And we just need to be aware and be awakened to his presence, to his word. And walk that out because that's where we're going to find our peace. Otherwise, if you turn on the news, which I encourage you not to do most of the time, you're just going to get a slant here and a slant there. But the word of God is true. The spirit of God is true in us. And we have access to that truth. So let's grab a hold of that and walk it out. If you have your Bibles, if you'll open to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Our title this morning is, Love is Above Our Liberties. It's beyond our liberties. Love overrides everything within us. So Father, we ask this morning that you give us discernment and wisdom on your word. That as we go through this this morning, that we we grab a hold of the truth that while You've given us liberties here and others have liberties there. We're not to take those liberties and hoard it over or lord it over or put others down or build others up because of liberties that are there. Lord, we're in relationship with you first to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love one another as ourselves, which means basically we put down those things that might bring offense to someone else. And that's not an easy thing in a self-centered world that we live in. But we're not to be of the world while we're in it. We're to be of the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit. So teach us this morning, Lord, how to do that. And I pray that you'll just open our ears to hear. And may your word penetrate our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week our message focused on keeping Jesus first no matter what the circumstances We all say that we love Jesus and we put him first, but often we have areas of our life where our desires haven't been given over. We have this desire or that desire, and and while those desires are strong, and even while those desires may not be sinful, if it's not in alignment to his will, we're out of balance. And so we give those things over to him, and we have to, relationships, finances, or anything that we desire that tend to cause us to be discontented where we are. Many times it's because we feel like something's missing. If I only, if I only had this, just this, this would make it, this would make it all right. If I only had that, or in some cases, if I hadn't have done this, or if I hadn't have done that, it would be, everything would be right. And so we, we get involved in all the what ifs and, uh, and all of those things, and then we find ourselves discontent because we're not focused on who is in the midst of those things rather than what we think we're missing or what we think we want, what is this desire, what is that desire. We have to put Jesus and love him above all of those things. And if we're not willing to do that, we're going to find ourselves grumbling. We're going to find ourselves complaining because this didn't happen the way we wanted it to. That didn't happen the way we wanted it to. This wasn't the result we expected or desired. And so therefore, God must be letting us down. God doesn't let us down. He never has. He's always going to give us exactly what we need, when we need it, and the right timing of which we need it. But so many times, those desires that we hang on to kind of push against His will. And it comes down to disappointment. A friend of mine and I had this conversation. I wish we could sell disappointment insurance. If you could sell disappointment insurance, man, you can make a killing on it. Because everybody finds themselves disappointed at some point, so just file a claim. But then it goes from disappointment to discouragement. And it goes from discouragement to depression because we're so wrapped up into the, the things that we want or desire that we don't have. And, and God says, we need to give those over. And when we're abiding in him, the truth is, when we're abiding in Christ and loving him above all things, we already have all we need. And while the desires that we may have are not sinful, we cannot allow them to, find, to bring us into this place of being discontent. Our hope is in Jesus alone. Nothing in this world can add to that relationship. And nothing can take it away. It's how we view it. It's how are we identifying ourselves in Jesus through his word, through his spirit, and through relationship. And if we're not in this place where we're putting him first, we're always going to be struggling against him. Kicking against the goads, if you will. Always looking for something else to fill us with what he's already given us. Romans 8, 5 through 9. A, it says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Well, does the Spirit of God dwell in us? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, yes, He does. If you're walking in that relationship, you have the Spirit of God within you. Therefore, you're not of the flesh. You're not in the flesh. While we have this fleshly tent, while we have this fleshly mind that didn't completely die, we're still battling it daily. Flesh against the Spirit, Spirit against the flesh. But as we're going through this, we're walking and learning to walk in the Spirit. So the Spirit now is controlling the flesh. Prior to Jesus, the flesh controls everything. What I want, when I want, how I want, from infant on. That's just the way we're, 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 the fleshly nature is, and we're all born into it. We can't avoid it. But once we meet Jesus, we now have, we're born again, being born again, we're born into the Spirit. Being born into the Spirit means the Spirit now can control the flesh if we die to that flesh and allow the Spirit to do so. But that's what we're called to do. And First John two seventeen says, And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And we talked about what the will of God is. We covered that specifically in our last message. So the first and greatest commandment is truly fulfilled in us. When we walk in unity with his spirit. Laying down our will and obeying his. Even if it goes against those fleshly things that we desire. And again, I'm not talking about sin here. We know if it's sinful desires, that's got to be put away. We have to repent from those things and turn from those things. That's, that's the biblical response to sin. You have to repent, which means turn away from and turn to. You can't turn away from something unless you have something to turn to. We turn to Jesus. Therefore we turn away from sin. We repent and we move forward. But I'm not talking about sinful desires. I'm talking about a longing. A something that, 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 that is a, a natural thing maybe that, that is within us. Even those we have to give over. Because they do not ever need to get in the way of our relationship with Jesus. We need to walk the path that he's given us. And it's here that we can receive the fruits of the Spirit. See, people desire the fruits of the Spirit, but they want them without any aspect of their part of how to get them. It's not we work for them. They're freely given, but they're only given when we're walking in obedience. They're only given when we're walking in relationship. Otherwise, they're there, but we can't access them because we're in the way. And God says, get out of the way. And I want to pour all of this into you. Now this week, Paul addresses another area that the church of Corinth had written to him about. And it's regarding our liberties in Christ. Concerning food, predominantly in this passage. But more importantly, how our liberties are demonstrated toward others. That's really the focus of this message. So let's begin this morning, verses 1 through 13. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. And that there is no other God but one. For even there are so-called gods, little g, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords. Yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through him we live. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of the idol, until now, eat it as a thing offered to an idol. And their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food does not commend us to God. For neither if we eat are we the better, or if we do not eat, we're the worse. But beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, food makes my brother stumble. I will never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. So I hope we have no vegetarians in here, because I really don't want to make you stumble, and I really don't want to give up my meat. But needless to say, let's break this down. In verse 1 through 3, we know that all things have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Knowledge is a good thing. Knowledge regarding Scripture is a great thing. But knowledge without wisdom is a dangerous thing. Knowledge is good. Biblical knowledge is great. But knowledge without wisdom is a dangerous thing. It always leads us into bondage and legalism. Every time. When we get into a situation where we have knowledge about this and knowledge about that, but we're not walking in relationship with Jesus, and we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us what this means regarding one another, what it does is it puts us into a place that leads us into legalism or it leads us into bondage. We should be reading God's Word. We should be meditating on God's Word. And we should be memorizing Scripture. But if we're not asking for spiritual wisdom, we can fall into the trap of thinking we know more than we know. And once you fall into that trap, then you're going to override everyone around you. Because you know. Now, I've never been in a situation like that. You know, you can ask my wife. The Clarks, the whole genetics of the Clarks have never been demandingly right all the time. I'm not looking at her when I said that because unfortunately it's opposite the opposite is true the Clark clan has always been very dominant and in their opinions always don't not too much Hmm. see can't even tell her that she's gonna do it anyway the thing is, is that it's just, it's just like we think we know something, we hang on to it, and then we want everybody else to follow along suit. Well, we're not the only ones. The world is this way. It's the same way for everybody. If you've learned something, what you've learned dominates what you think somebody else doesn't know. And so you're going to make them and try to convince them that what you know is right, but you don't really know all your sources, do you? In today's world, our sources are all muddy. We have instant information. Whatever you want to know, you can find an answer just like that. Whether you find the answer is a totally different story, but you can find an answer that you want to believe, and therefore it's all about that, and therefore you're right, and you're going to make sure that everybody that hears you knows that. Well, I have this source, and I know I'm right. But we don't even we can't trust anything anymore. We can't trust the news, the media is corrupt. We can't trust our government, the, the government's corrupt. We can't trust the internet. Well, if it's on the Internet, it has to be true. And you can go down the list and find, if you type in a question and Google it, you will get five different answers to that question. And whichever one suits your way, the way you lean, that's how you're going to go with it. And that's unfortunate, but that's the way the mind works. We want to be the first to hear it. The first to discuss it, and the first to form an opinion on it, and the first to tell everybody else they've got to believe what we believe. But we can fall into this trap, specifically speaking of biblical things. Biblical knowledge is not to be distributed through fleshly means because it will always mess up the body. And we mess, we studied back in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, now these things, brethren, I figured to figuratively transferred to myself and Paulus for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf one against the other. Now what is he saying here? Now we didn't, you know, when Paul was writing this, you know, we didn't have he, the New Testament wasn't written yet. He was doing it as he spoke. <laughs> So what word is he talking about? Well, he's, he's talking about the Word of God. He's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about all the th- writings of God. He's talking about everything that who God was and what God means and everything that he knew to that point. But he also knew he had the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit was giving him what he needed when he needed it. And so Paul is saying, listen, do not think above what you already know, what is written here. If you go that point, then you're going to wind up being out of balance. And Ephesians 1.17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. This is a prayer that Paul was saying, that the, the Lord our God would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So we have the knowledge of Him, but then there comes wisdom with that. And Ephesians 3.19 says to love or to to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There's so much more that God wants to give us than what we think we know. And James 1, 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, without reproach, and it will be given to him. But then James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. <laughs> yield? I hate yield signs. That means if my time is not right, I'm not getting in. Yield. We have to yield. Full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy you see where we're going here this morning spiritual knowledge is from God and wisdom is from God but we have to have both we have to have both in order to live out that knowledge with the spiritual wisdom so our flesh doesn't get in the way our flesh will always get in the way When we're not walking in alignment with Jesus. When we're not walking in accordance to his spirit and according to his word. What we we know, what we think we know, always gets in the way. And Paul is opening this topic by first laying this foundation of truth. Before we allow our liberties to become a stumbling block to others. Because we will find ourselves in that situation. There are many times, you know, I have a guy I work with. He's a Seventh-day Adventist. And we speak, we, we, we actually have a great relationship. I really enjoy talking with him. And we, we talk about it and we laugh about it. We joke about it. I'll say something like, hey, I'm going to do something Saturday. You want? Oh, I'm sorry, you can't. You can't go. I'm so sorry. And we laugh about that. And then he'll say something about, hey, I'm going to do something on Oh, you're going to be in church on Sunday. Ha, 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 you know. But what we do talk about is we go a little deeper than that. We start talking about what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. Now, I'm convinced of this individual in particular that he loves the Lord. He loves the Lord. And he doesn't feel that he's in legalistic view of having to worship on Saturday. He has his reasons. But more importantly, he really wants to be obedient to his convictions. And if he's obedient to his convictions and he loves Jesus... And he wants, and he has that relationship with Jesus. Who am I to tell him, you can't do that. that. That's just wrong. I have freedom in my life to know that Jesus is my day of rest. He is my rest period. It's no longer Saturday. That's not my day of rest. Sunday's not my day of rest, trust me. I want to go home and take a nap after church because I'm worn out. Sunday's not my day of rest. What is my day of rest? It's Jesus. He is my rest. He became my rest. And it tells us all about that in Hebrews when you go through. Israel didn't receive the rest, though they worshipped every Saturday. They had their Sabbath. And early on, they were only allowed to get enough food through Friday afternoon. They couldn't even do it. After Friday evening, when the sun went down, they weren't allowed to gather for the next day. But God always provided for them. But now, and you read in Hebrews, it says, but they never received the rest. Why? Because they weren't going by faith, they were going by works, and what you had to do when you had to do it. Now in Jesus, we have this relationship, we have the Spirit of God, He is our rest. Colossians chapter 1 tells us very specifically, it's no longer about a day. It's no longer about a specific thing, or a holiday, or, or uh, 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 even a feast. It's about our relationship with Jesus. So, what he's saying here is, is that while you may come to this place of receiving the freedoms in some of these areas... Don't lord it over other people. If other people are where they are, let them be where they are. Does it really matter? Does it really matter that we convince somebody of of our freedom? No, it shouldn't. Love Jesus. Love one another. The Holy Spirit will do the work as far as it goes through the rest. We don't have to worry about those things. Now, verse 3 is important for us to grab a hold of, and it says, But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. This is important for us to understand. If you know God, God knows you. Now, God knows you anyway. But this is talking about the intimate sense, the intimacy. He knows you in an intimate way when you know Him. And He knows where you came from. He knows your background. He knows your genetics. He knows what kind of house you were raised. He knows everything about your past. He knows more about it than you do because sometimes our past is what really gives us a stumbling block, too. Because our past is how we perceived it, where he knows the full picture. We hold. Uh, sometimes unforgiveness in our hearts. Sometimes we hold uh, bitterness in our hearts. And God is saying, I want you to let that go. And you're like, well, God, you just don't understand. You don't know what they did. And God says, no, you don't understand because your perception is it was all personal. But you've got to understand that those people, whoever they were, parents, sisters, brothers, cousins, uncles, aunts, friends, who may have wounded you, were wounding you out of a wounding themselves. It wasn't personal. It came out that way, and it hurt you, and all that is true, but you have to come to this point of saying I, that God sees the whole picture, and all we see is our own little finite ability of how did it affect me? How did it affect me? And really, when you think about it, every area of our life where, in, where there's bitterness and unforgiveness, the root of that is me, what they did to me. And I'm not going to sit here and deny or, or make it a light, a light subject that you weren't wounded. I'm telling you, I was wounded. I was wounded many times in many ways. I know a lot of you were. Many people were wounded in ways that we can't even, don't even want to talk about. So how do you forgive that? Well, first you have to have a relationship with Jesus. And once you have that relationship with Jesus, he pours into you the ability to forgive the unforgivable. And once you've done that, you've released it. Now you're walking in freedom. That is a liberty that you can walk in among everyone in unforgiveness. That's a liberty that God gives us. But it's also a command. So we have to do that. But he knows us intimately. God knows the heart of his people. He knows the one who are weak in their faith regarding different things. And he knows those that are stronger. But he wants us to all come to this point understand that while he knows all of that we don't we don't know the deep layers of other people's hearts. we don't know what drives them we don't know where they come from we don't know all of these things And and unfortunately it, it's the way it is in our culture we don't have the time to get to all that stuff in most of our relationships because sometimes it takes years to really understand somebody and if you're married can I get an amen you think you got them figured out, and they change. did ain't really change. They just shifted gears. And sometimes people shift gears quicker than we do. And we got to learn to speed up or slow down. But what we're saying here, God wants us to know. He said, listen, you don't know the hearts of your fellow believers the way he does. And so his grace extends to both the weak and the strong. Well, if his grace extends to all, our grace needs to extend to all, because it's no longer about us. It's about him, and it's about loving others. And we should extend that same grace and love toward one another. Now, as Paul continues this teaching, he makes it clear that there's freedom in the knowledge that there's only one God, and an idol is nothing, so we shouldn't be bound up by foods that are served or may be offered to an idol. For those who are stronger in their faith, their conscience is clear and it's not sin to eat. But to those who are weaker in this area, if their conscience is not clear but see us eating and they're compelled to do what we're doing but their conscience is weak, then what they're doing is they're sinning because they haven't come to that point of understanding that they have freedom. So, therefore, we're causing our brother to sin. Now, this doesn't negate our freedom But our love for God and our love for one another does call us sometimes to deny our freedom for their sake. Now, you might say, well, they're putting me back into bondage. No, they're not. They're not putting you into bondage. You're choosing to say, I love them enough to not offend in this area. I love them enough to not bring them to a place where they might feel convicted or they might even be offended and angered over it. Is, Is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? No. Give it to God. Love him first and love one another. It's all supposed to be for edification of the body, not for what I know and what I can do or what you know and what you can do. It's all given to him. In 1 Corinthians ten, twenty-three through 30, Paul says, All things are lawful t- for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each for the other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the market, in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, This was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you, and for the conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord and all its fullness. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food? um over which i give thanks therefore whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do it all to the glory of god in verse 32 give no offense either to the jews or the greeks or to the church of god just as i also please all men in all things not seeking my own profit but the profit of many that many that they may be saved see paul's attitude was this i can eat whatever i want I'm not, he had no conscience over those things. He could eat food that was even offered to idols. But he didn't go asking, hey, is this offered to an idol? If it's offered and you pray and bless it, it's blessed. And you eat it. But if someone comes to you and say, hey, this is offered to an idol. Then the one who told you, if they told you out of their own conscience, you don't want to offend them. But if they told you because they're proud of it being offered to an idol, you definitely don't want to eat it. So there's a there's a balance here in how we approach these things. In Romans fourteen one through four it says receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let him not and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. So, what Paul is saying here is that listen, you're going to have a variety of people who come to different places in their walk regarding certain things and their conscience and their convictions. How are you going to handle them? How are you going to handle them? Are you going to override their convictions? And mock them? (laughs) I can't believe you can't eat them. Here, let me show you how to eat this. And mock them for it? No, that's not loving them, is it? Are you going to allow them to hoard over you? Well, let me just say this. Paul did go back to this earlier, and it was regarding lawsuits and different things. He said, Why not just be wronged? If someone comes to you and you feel like you have a freedom and they don't, and they want to put you into their box, listen. It's okay for them to be where they are, and it's okay to just say, okay, listen, because I don't want to offend you, I won't eat this. But you can also say, however, I'm not under that same conviction, so I may eat it when I get home. If it doesn't offend you, you know, but offending one another. And think about it. In the world we live in, everybody's offended about something. Everybody is offended. It doesn't matter what it is. Well, I like that grass. Isn't that such a... I'm offended by that. I like Bermuda. That's fescue. That offends me that you like that grass. I mean, it's stupid stuff, but it's really, that's the way it is. If you quote a scripture today, and someone hears it, that offends me. That that, That just offends me that you would quote that scripture. Why? Because I love my God, and I quote His Word. Who do you love? What offends you? Why does this offend you? Typically... In situations like that, when it comes to uh, something regarding the Spirit and God's Word and His love and the truth of who He is, if someone's offended by that, they're offended because they're convicted. And God wants that conviction there. God wants His Word to offend. Why? Because offense brings conviction, and conviction brings repentance. Now, not all will respond that way, but that's what, that's what initially rises up. They're angry because you're challenging where they are. And what they do now—we're talking about the spirit versus the flesh. We're talking about sin versus evil. Difference there between the Christian brothers and sisters that are coming together and then wanting to argue and lord over what you can eat and which can't eat, what you can do, which can't do. That's not what we're supposed to do. That's not who we're supposed to be. And we go on Romans fourteen nineteen through twenty three. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another do not stres- destroy the work of god for the sake of food all things indeed are pure but if it is evil for the man who eats with offence but it is e- i'm sorry but it is evil for the one who eats w- with offence it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak do you have faith Have it to yourself before you and God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. Because if he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. So this message this morning. While it's mainly speaking of food. At this particular point. Is really talking about how are you living out your freedoms among your brothers and sisters how are your freedoms affecting others how and it's not that they're affecting them they're really only affecting them when we lord it over when we force the issue when we decide we're right and we're going to stand on that right we have the freedom to do it we're going to do it i don't care what you think and that's not the attitude that we're supposed to have because for others it would be a sin for them to eat now if you really think about that for a minute It literally is a sin for them if they eat it because of their faith or lack of. So why would we want to push somebody into that place and push them into sin? Let the Holy Spirit do the work in the hearts of each individual. And we're to love each other where everyone is. So the clear message here is love overrides our freedom. Love overrides our freedom. We should be more concerned for one another... Then for the freedoms that we have or that we don't have. Now let's take this a little bit further. We know that some believing Jews or Messianic Gentile believers. That adhere to the law regarding foods. That are okay to eat or not to eat. Don't eat certain foods because of their convictions. And this has nothing to do with food offered to idols. But we who have different convictions should respect them. And not force our freedoms on them. And also... There are some who believe alcohol is completely forgiven, and it's taboo. It's from the devil, it's evil, you can't touch it. But there's others who believe in Scripture, and there's Scriptures that support this, that alcohol in moderation is okay. Now, this is a big subject for a lot of different denominational churches. They all basically believe the same thing, but they'll all say something different. The Baptist. They only drink on Friday, monks, you know, and they repent on Sunday. Nobody really knows that they're drinking. The Methodists do it freely. Let's all gather. You know, if the river's ever turned to alcohol, let's all gather at the river. <laughs> so you have different people, different views. But for some, and I'm going to tell you, the reason that some have such a hard conviction of alcohol maybe because they've come from an alcoholic background. If it weren't themselves... Maybe a parent or a grandparent was an alcoholic and they saw the damage that it did, and so they've drawn this line alcohol will do this. Well, it doesn't do it to everybody if it's in moderation. But if someone believes that it's evil, who are we to live out our freedom over them? Again, we should not allow this to bring dissension or division into the body over these issues. They're just irrelevant. Now, I will tell you this, regarding the issue of alcohol, if you're so staunch on the fact that you have the freedom to do it and you're going to override everybody else, there's a problem that you might have you don't even know you have. Maybe you're dependent on it. Maybe you're a social alcoholic. Maybe you have to have that drink to tell yourself you don't. And you're going to do it using freedom as your excuse. The Bible says never let your freedoms ever bring anyone else into bondage or into sin but don't let them bring you into bondage either how can freedom bring in advantage well it's very easy if you come to this point where you say i have the freedom to do this and that takes over your life then have to be alcohol it could be food it could be relationship it could be anything if that, if whatever it is that we have the freedom to do and we have no conviction over if it becomes so important in our life and dominates then it has become controlling that's not biblical. It's not supposed to be the way we're supposed to walk our life. So we have to be careful. Now verse 9 makes it very clear. Be aware lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. Galatians 5.13 For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another so clear which t- jesus said listen when he came he came as a servant he was god in the flesh born as man he had the, he had the human side and he had the god side he submitted to the father's will the whole time he came as a servant and he said so i didn't come to be served i came to serve And he tells us, listen, this is who you're supposed to be as a believer in me. You serve others. You don't come to be served. You don't come to the head of the table and say, hey, serve me. No, you come with the attitude of serving others. It's kind of funny. When we have our big meal here and we have all the food out, I always try to go last. And it's not because it's a big thing that I'm trying to make a point. Mainly it's because of somebody else in here who always waits me out. And I never make it. And they know who I'm talking to. You can look me in the eye. They won't. But they'll wait me out. We're both over there about to starve to death. But neither one is going to go get in that line. We're not here to be served. We'll wait. We'll do it last. Well, listen, you can carry things and have fun with it. But the point I'm making here is that we need to put others above ourselves. And when you go to that food line, and there's one piece of chicken left, and there's someone behind you, do you grab that chicken? No? Oh, talk on it. I was hoping somebody would say yes, and I could agree with them. No, you just let You know, listen. It's about others. It's always supposed to be about others. But we're we're called to liberty, but don't let that liberty override one another. And I want to say this morning that there are many things that can divide us. Most of, them, most of them are not salvation issues. majority of the church is bickering and arguing over things that do not matter. They just don't matter. It's my way or the highway issues. And ultimately, this comes down to pride. That's how our freedoms can turn into bondage. If our freedoms are driven by pride. If I cannot receive my brother or sister who has a different conscience on something that I have, as long as it's not a biblical sin, that's clearly stated in the Word, our love for them should trump our liberty. We should be considering them first. And this goes well beyond the things of what we put into our body. Food and drink and all those things. It goes way outside of those things. This also applies... To our spiritual gifts, those things of which God gives us through the fruits of the Spirit, through the gifts of the Spirit. Romans twelve three says, For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So it comes back to pride. We have this knowledge, we elevate that knowledge, not in wisdom, but in pride. And all of a sudden, that knowledge, or whatever it is, even the gift that God gives us, becomes dominant over somebody else. Listen, the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to flow together, not bump against one another. They're supposed to flow together because the Bible says to some he gives this gift, to some he gives that gift, to some he gives this gift, some he gives those. He doesn't say he gives them all to everyone. He doesn't. He uses you in accordance to your relationship with him, your level of faith with him. Whatever gift he gives you is not your gift, so you're to use it in accordance by the Spirit of God flowing through you, and that gift should never override anybody else's gift or anybody else's period. The two gifts that get us into most trungle, t- trouble are tongues and prophecy. Paul talks more about those gifts probably much than anything else. The reason to get us into trouble is because of our fleshly nature. God gives us this gift, well, all of a sudden, there are some groups that think, well, if you don't have tongues, I don't even know if you're saved. If you don't have tongues, you don't really fool with the fullness of the Spirit. That is a lie. You have the Holy Spirit. You have all the Holy Spirit you need. The gifts of the Spirit are not more of the Spirit. It's more of us being obedient to let Him flow them through us when He wants to use them. Not that, hey, look at me, I got this gift. woohoo! And then prophecy, if you're not careful, can be driven by the flesh. And it's not word of prophecy, it's word of me. Telling you, this is, I'm I'm, I'm taking this and, and lording it over. Those are not the way the gifts are supposed to be operated. They're given to us by the Spirit. They're operated in, and in us through the Spirit. They belong to God. We just have access as He sees fit. So that's really what it's all about. So we have to be careful that we don't lord over other people with the spiritual gifts. And I believe that 1 Corinthians 13 sums most of this all up. First Corinthians 13, 1 through 7, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now, I don't know about you, but those things are loud. And the band, bang, bang, you know? When they're done where they're supposed to be and applied where they're supposed to be, it adds to the overall sound of the band being played. But when somebody out of nowhere clings one of those symbols, it scares you to death. It's loud, it's obnoxious, it's like, who invented those things? But that's the whole point. If it's not done in love, which means in synchrony with everybody else, synchronizing with everybody else according to what's supposed to happen, that's what true love is operating together. It's nothing nothing more than a loud noise. And though I had the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. Now there's a lot there. Man, move mountains? I have enough faith to move mountains. I have prophecy. I understand mysteries, knowledge. I have all of this stuff, but I don't love my neighbor as myself. It's nothing. It means nothing. It's just a prideful way of going about spouting out what you know, what you think you know. And though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. See, all of these freedoms, all of these gifts, all of these things that God gives us are not a blessing unless we're walking in love. Matter of fact, they can be a curse. I'm not talking about a... A deep, sinful spiritual curse is going to cast you into hell. What I'm talking about, though, is the fact that if it's out of balance, it's going to bring strife around you. It's going to bring pain and suffering to other people. It's not going to bring joy. Are the spiritual gifts not supposed to bring joy and edify the church? Are they not supposed to bring uh, happy, not happiness, but bring peace among the brethren? That's what the gifts are for. If that's not happening, they're out of balance. Man has gotten in the way. Our freedoms have gotten in the way. But it goes on in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Now, here's what I want you to do for a minute. I want you to put your name in there. Grady suffers long in his kind. Grady does not love, or does not envy. Grady does not parade himself. He's not puffed up. He doesn't behave rudely. I can stop right there and tell you I've already missed the mark on some of these. I don't seek my own, but I'm, I'm not provoked. I think no evil. I don't rejoice in iniquity, but I rejoice in the truth. I bear all things, believe all things. I hope all things endure. Can you put your name in there? Well, here's what we're called to do. First off, we can put the name of Jesus in there. You put the name of Jesus in there, It's already accomplished because he did all these things. This is who he is. Now, we put ourselves in Jesus. (laughs) And now we're in relationship with him. These are achievable. Not by our works. Not by our flesh. But by dying to ourselves and allowing our freedoms to be only between us and God and not override anybody else. To not let ourselves come to a place where we know more than we know or think we know more than we know to, app- to apply in all of our knowledge and all of the stuff that we've gained in ways to say, oh, you're just wrong and you're just going to go to hell because you don't agree with me. Now, I know people don't normally say those words, but when you think about it and hear discussions and arguments among people, that's really how they feel. It's that strong. It's that ingrained within them. So it really comes down to the two greatest commandments. Which is what it always comes down to. Our life as a Christian always comes down to the two greatest commandments. First, do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Well, that's a pretty deep question, isn't it? So if you go down that list, with all my heart, well, he is my heart. He's everything that I desire. I love him with all my heart. That's the first part of that. Your mind. Mind's a different thing, isn't it? Finite mind, it loves a lot of things. You gotta die to it. You gotta give it over to Jesus. Do you love him enough to say, I give you over these desires, these things of my flesh, the mind, the things I think about, the the things that control my thoughts? Do you give that over to him? Soul, your strength, everything within you, the core of your being. Are you still walking out from your past? Past knowledge, past teachings, past understanding. Listen, the one thing that I've come to understand, the more and more that I study God's Word, the less and less I really know. And he said, well, you ought not to be a preacher then if you don't know nothing. Well, I don't know much. But I know Jesus. And I know that it's supposed to be Him that is teaching, Him that is leading. His Spirit's supposed to be guiding my steps, not me. And if I'm still walking in some things that I learned 45, 50 years ago and holding on to a truth that I've never studied, I've never let myself understand through Scripture, through reading, through the Holy Spirit's discernment and wisdom, to say, you know what, that teaching wasn't quite right, was it? We've all been there. Now, not everything you've learned is wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that everything you've ever heard in the church is wrong. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, is that man sometimes going back to this whole thing about freedoms lean their messages toward their side of their freedoms and they may be out of balance and if they're out of balance then you might be out of balance so where's the balance it's coming back to loving god with all your heart soul mind and strength that's where you're going to find your balance he's going to pour into you The Spirit of God is going to pour into you everything that you need to know and how you need to know it. But you've got to be focused on Him. You've got to be wanting to know. You can't just say, I know this and I know that and run off with it. It's a relationship, and it's growing, and things change. As you grow, you will find yourself not hanging on to certain teachings that you had years ago. It's like, you know what, I have now come to the point to understand in the Spirit of God, I'm not bound up by that, but at the same time, my freedoms don't bind me up over here, I now have the ability to do what? To love my neighbor as myself, which is the next greatest commandment. See, a lot of people claim they know God, claim to love God, but then don't love their neighbor, don't even like them. A lot of people aren't likable. Does that mean we don't love them? Not according to Scripture. We're to love our neighbors ourselves. In other words, we would put our thoughts, our desires, our freedoms aside for other people. Because it's not about us. It's about Jesus in us. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So if it's Christ that lives in me, it should be Christian principle, biblical teaching, solid spirit-led teaching, and whatever it might be, that should be what's flowing out of us. If it's not, then we need to get back to the mirror. We need to go back and say, God, I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm not seeing as much of you as I want to see. And other people look at you and say, I don't see as much of Jesus in you as you say you have. It all comes down to this relationship that we have with God. It all comes down to what does it really mean? What is it really about? Is it about the freedoms? Is it about the things that we have? Is it about this? Is it about that? No, it's about loving him, loving others. Let him do everything else. And if that means you can't have your pork sandwich today because somebody else might be offended, just don't eat it if it means that that you believe that you have the freedom here and they don't, can you not deny yourself for that moment to say, I love you enough to where I don't want to bring offense? I don't want to do that. Now, again, sometimes you're not going to know. You may go to somebody, you may be at lunch with somebody sometime and you order something and they don't ever tell you that they were offended by it. Now, that's something that they would need to be responsible for to let you know, you know. And a lot of times it may be this. They don't have the freedom to eat it or to drink or do whatever. But they're not offended if you do. And that's okay too. But this comes down to relationship, doesn't it? It comes down to communicating with one another. To understanding one another. To putting the other person first. Not just automatically overriding our views over somebody else's. The two greatest commandments. Loving God. With all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then loving one another. Now this, go, again, it goes way beyond food. It goes way beyond drink. It goes all the way down to the core of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And how is that portrayed to those around us? Brothers and sisters and the world. Because if the world is watching the brothers and sisters fighting over stuff like this, why would they want to become a believer? What do you believe in? Can you tell somebody what you really believe in if this is what you're focusing on instead of Jesus being what you focus on and in that relationship that you have with him? He is your salvation. He is your hope. He's your strength. He's everything you need. He's your fulfillment. He's your peace. He's the fruits of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace. All of these things is all found in Jesus and yet we're fighting over a sandwich? See, this is where it comes down to To where we really need to do the self-examination. Love. Is above our liberties. It's above our freedoms. And if we don't understand that. Then are we really loving? Are we really walking in love? Or are we just walking in pride. With a cloak. Of love. People see right through that by the way you'll see right through it there is no sheer oh, no way to cloak something and pretend to be something you're not it will be it will be seen so our message this morning while it seems like it's like you know all focused on food it, it's really focused on our relationship with god and it's focused on our relationship with one another and it's focused on what is important and we all need to do that. We need need to come to the Lord ourselves and say, "Lord, I need to hear you in this matter," so that I'm not overriding someone else. And you're going to find, as you walk out your Christian walk among brothers and sisters, particularly even in a small church like this, I mean, you can find yourself talking to people that don't agree with you on certain things. Do you love them? Do you love them enough to be wrong? I mean, to be different. I'm sorry, did that come out? <laughs> See how that kind of gets out there? Because that's how we think. I love them enough for them to be wrong. But the truth is, you may not be right. Until we meet Jesus face-to-face, and I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to close with this. When you meet Jesus face-to-face, every single thing that we thought we knew is going to be revealed either to be completely wrong, or some of it's going to be right, because I'm going to tell you, we don't all have it all right. But there's going to be such a revelation, such a knowledge of of, of open, eye-opening. We're going to see things like, whoa, I wish I have understood that 30 years ago. But not only are you going to get a new body, you're going to get a new mind. You're going to have the mind of Christ in full. You're going to understand as He understands. You're going to know as He knows. And it's going to be mind-blowing to realize, oh, wow, how much of this I thought I knew but didn't know a thing. And it's like the two people who, they were arguing over Jonah. And it was Jonah really following God. I mean, he argued with God. He, he didn't, they just went back and forth over Jonah. Well, I think he's saved. I think he's in heaven. Well, I don't think so because he did this. and Well, finally it came down. Well, listen, when, when we get to heaven, you just ask him. And the other guy said, well, what if he's not in heaven? He said, but well, then you ask him. Aww. See how it can go, huh? Everybody's strong in their opinion. but When it gets to heaven, it's not going to matter. When we meet Jesus face to face, our opinions will be completely dissolved because he will know us and we will know him as we are known. Eye-opening, huh? Let's long for that. Let's seek that today. Let's seek that today so that we're not walking in this bondage of our freedoms, which is really one way to word it, to be locked into so much of our freedoms that we are overriding and not loving one another the way we should father we come this morning and we do submit ourselves to you these are these are areas lord to where all of us have something we all have something that we hang on to that we have such freedom in or maybe the opposite we have such uh, a a different view of that that we don't have the freedom in this area lord may the may either side of this become something that causes division may we never let that become divisive But rather, let us become submissive to you because when we're submissive to you, we can love our brother through anything. And we can walk hand in hand, side by side, spreading the love of Jesus to those who don't know him because we're not arguing with ourselves in areas that we say we do know him. May our relationship with you, may our relationship with others, be out of love not out of self-centeredness not out of lack of wisdom not out of knowledge that we think we have but give us the freedom to to put all that down and just love one another as you call us to and i thank you for this message lord it is an eye opener it does bring us to a place of self-examination and the word should always do that in all of our hearts and minds we should always seek the word and seek the spirit to teach us to examine ourselves to see, are we living our life in relationship with Jesus? In deed or in word only? And Lord, there's a big difference. We love you and we thank you for this convicting word. We thank you for the teaching that you give us. And we ask, Lord, that you open our eyes to other areas of our life. Many, th- many of us, Lord, maybe have, 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 have been walking in ways for years that you want to give us something fresh and new or something that maybe we can even realize maybe i was wrong here and lord we need to be willing to say i was wrong when that time comes and not try to defend something for so long because of pride we do love you this morning we submit to you we thank you and we praise you may you be blessed this morning may you be glorified and we thank you in jesus name amen and amen
0: And on that day we'll join the resurrection Stand beside the heroes of the faith And with one voice a thousand generations Sing, worthy is the Lamb who was slain Forever shall so let it be today, we'll shout the hymn of heaven, with angels and the saints, we'll raise a mighty roar, glory to our God, who gave us life beyond the grave, Holy, holy is the Lord Holy, holy is the Lord Holy, holy is the Lord We have heard God's word We have prayed him in song we have shared sweet fellowship a few moments long as we leave this place in jesus tender care we will share his love with people everywhere May God keep us till we gather here or oh, we meet in the air
4: We have heard God's word We have praised Him in song We have shared sweet family. A few moments long As we leave this place In Jesus' tender care We will share share His love love With people everywhere everywhere. May God keep keep us till we gather here before we meet
0: in, in the...